The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome, my fellow alphas, to the Paranet Podcast with your host, Patrick Lunn and Rob Davis. We have an absolute banger of a show for you guys today. We're going to be talking about the finale of Full Moon and Dresden Files in video games. Uh, due to uh, various kind of situation stuff, uh, me and Rob are going to be uh, pre-recording a couple of episodes. So instead of normal power networking where we cover like the news and what's going on in the world of Jim Butcher, uh, we're going to be covering uh, a couple of discussion points and stuff that we wanted to talk about around the Dresden Files. Now that you guys are, have followed us through the first two books, we can kind of start talking about some bigger questions around uh, Harry Dresden and where his universe, our universe that we, we love and play in and uh, have such great time in could possibly go. Um, so yeah, I think that pretty much covers what's, gonna, what's going on. Um, and uh, I'm j- we are just so psyched to be uh, uh, finishing the second book in the series. We're two books deep. Uh, that's a, a whopping 10% of the final amount of Dresden that we have been promised. Uh, so we still have a long, long way to go. Um, and those were definitely the two shortest, book, shortest books in the series. So we have a long, long way to go. Um, but first of all, we will talk para networking. And today we have a discussion. The Dresden Files, if they were... Uh, adapted into some sort of video game. Uh, we are seeing more and more that lots and lots of video games are being adapted into. No, lots and lots of books are being adapted into video games, uh, such as the Witcher series. Um, how would we like to see Jim Butcher's universe displayed, adapted into a game? Uh, and I'm going to toss this over to Rob. Uh, yeah, um, I haven't much had much time to think about it but i think two kind That's of one you first <laughs> you, fair enough snake um i think <laughs> i think the two options that come to mind immediately are kind of like the multiplayer style of uh x-men legends and marvel ultimate alliance i think it's called Mm-hmm. Where you're controlling up to like four characters, uh, kind of upgrading the powers and skill sets as you go along. I think that'd be a really cool way to do it, especially with all like the magic usage and all that kind of shite. The other option is my preferred uh-huh. option, which is uh, kind of I know like I- I'd love to see Telltale like have a hand with Dresden because I think they would absolutely crush the whole story-driven narrative as well as focus heavily on the investigation kind of style that we get in the earlier Dresden books. Yeah, that's really interesting. So um, we'll go back to the Telltale kind of style in, in a second. Um, uh, but first, the the Ultimate Alliance. So that's, that's like... Uh, Top down. If you ever played Diablo, it's a bit similar to that, where it's like isometric and stuff. Uh, but the the really interesting bit and the bit that I think makes it relevant for Dresden Files is that 
you find characters or you, you complete side quests to unlock characters or unlock like costumes and abilities for them and stuff. And then you choose a roster for each mission of different characters. Um, in the X-Men games, um, maybe it's just because I played them as a little kid, but uh, it's much more that like some characters get killed or um, for whatever reason are out of action. So you have to make a roster that can work on this particular mission, whatever it might be. So like uh, they had a mission in the astral plane and you could only use characters that were telepaths. You can only have like Psylocke, Emma Frost, Professor X and Jean Grey, for instance. Um, so bring that over to Dresden Files. That might be that uh, you like uh, run into Michael Carpenter and you can do a side quest uh, to basically uh, bring Michael Carpenter onto your team. Um, uh, or you could uh, maybe um, run into the, the alphas and, and bring them onto your team or whatever. And then maybe you come across a mission uh, that has to be uh that involves like holy stuff like uh, or involves the Dagarians, the the uh the demons of the dresden file universe uh and you can only use like the knights of the cross you have to build a team with like michael uh sanya um and whoever uh else um so i think there's, there's some really cool ideas there i like i dig that Um, <laughs> as for Telltale, so obviously the Telltale company is uh, no longer a thing, unfortunately. Um, but the their games do live on, and their style of games live on. And I'm sure that there is going to be more Telltale style games coming. I think Double Fine have done some games that were very similar yeah. in style. Uh, I can't remember what the game was. But basically, you had like a girl that was in like a fantasy village and a guy that was in like a sci-fi world, but it turns out that their destiny is like interlinked or whatever. Anyway, um, broken age maybe. Uh, anyway, um, so that sort of style of game is very story driven, I guess. Yeah. That's how I'd describe it. Um, would you see it being like a recreation of like Stormfront, for instance, uh, or would you would you do like your own sort of story? Would you get Doom Butcher involved? I don't know. I'd love to have Butcher's involvement. Or initially, I was thinking of each one adapting uh, like one of the novels, I guess, uh, broken down into like four playable episodes. But I think it would work much better, especially. If you're getting Jim involved, why waste him on something he's already written? But have him mm -hmm. create a story set in between certain novels. And yeah, just kind of have some fun, investigate, do some magic, meet some characters, and have it be its own story, because then it will bring in... You'll have the fans that are already familiar with whatever like company put it out. Um, and their games, and you'd bring in presumably a new audience for Dresden Files that haven't discovered the books, which can then, if they want, if they read, <laughs> go check out the books as well. And hopefully, Jim having Jim Butcher's involvement in it will bring the story and kind of make it canon, I guess, which would be awesome. Yeah. 
I think I would be quite uh, interested in like an anthology series, like briefcases or side jobs, where like each episode was almost its own thing, and then like maybe there was like a running theme. But maybe for the first couple, you play as Dresden, but then maybe you do like a Murphy story or something, or a Thomas story or a Michael story. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Um. So yeah, I, I, so those those are your two kind of choices. Um, I have I have one kind of serious idea and one very silly idea. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm going to go for with the very serious one first, I guess, uh, which is a, a skirmish a skirmish style game, uh, a la XCOM, okay. uh, where you are playing as uh, Murphy and Dresden setting up the power network like a, a a nationwide in america network of magic users of different levels of skill um with uh, who have had brushes with the supernatural world uh, who all kind of look out for each other and, and deal with threats in their in their city or in their town uh so you would start with like some really low level recruits some of which could be like the alphas and be like uh, werewolves. You could have uh, a couple of uh, vampire like neophytes who've been bitten but haven't killed. You could have uh, apprentice wizards who just discovered their talents. You could have people that have found like an artifact similar to the the swords of, uh, the knights of the cross. You could have people that are connected with the fey and the ceiling on sealy courts. Um, lots and lots of different options uh, of of kind of the characters that you could have. Um, and then you have to kind of decide where resources are allocated. Maybe you'd have like legendary heroes like Michael or Thomas or even Dresden himself that you could dispatch to areas uh, and, and play as. And they'd be like a, a level 100 hero or whatever. And your guys would be like level five. And they have to kind of help protect you and then slowly increase the threats. So at first, like, You've got a group of five guys dealing with uh, a, a, were a werewolf or a, uh, a group of ghouls or something. Generally, at least one of them is going to die unless they're really smart about how they tackle it. Uh, and you could put research into like how do you deal with these things? Like what are their weaknesses? Looking into like old arcane grimoires and stuff like that. Um, so that's that's my first kind of line of thought. Uh, that I think would be really really fun, um, but quite that's quite a big scale, um, uh, and I think it would take a lot of development. Um, the other one, which is a bit less serious, is I would like to see a Dresden Files style of uh, a Mortal Kombat or Injustice like game with okay. a massive fighter roster. I'm talking like. 40 fighters, we're going to have the Alphas, we're going to have Murphy, we're going to have Michael, but we're also going to have a buttload of the enemies. Nicodemus is going to be there. Marcone and Hendrix are one playable character, of course, because they just tag team uh, the whole time. Uh, Mab is a playable character. Uh, uh, like, have as unlockables, freaking like Mouse and Mister. Um, just, just all of the fighters, all the time, uh, and have a... Um, big old story about like maybe the Fae or something uh, creating like a situation where 
all these people have to kind of fight for themselves and go head to head um, uh, without having to die or, or whatever. You could always do like a, oh, it's a tournament that's got like a spell cast over it so that you can decapitate people without them dying or what <laughs> have you. Uh, and yeah, uh, Injustice style where like they each have their own special abilities. So have like Murphy be able to like pull out her gun and perfectly like target someone have like Harry being able to just like fuego uh, big style, have like Michael able to like summon the power of the Knights of the Cross and then suddenly him, Sanya uh, and whoever the third uh, Knights of the Cross member is uh, all teaming up against one enemy. Oh man, it just makes me salivate. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what I'd like to see. I think they should. Um, but they I think I, 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 I completely agree. In fact, I would like just one big game that was like a Telltale series that then had some skirmish elements, had some Mortal Kombat elements, and some X Men Legend elements, and I'd be a very happy Pat. Yeah, I'd be a very happy Pat as well. <laughs> Um, but I think most realistically, the Telltale style is is probably the way that a Dresden game would go. I know that there has been a lot of talk for years and years about, oh, could this be made in something? Um, I think the biggest issue is that it's a large monetary commitment. I know a lot of people have talked about... The, the one that I hear the most on like Reddit and uh, other Dresden fan forums is like a a Witcher style GTA is probably not the best way to talk about it, but like Skyrim or Witcher, uh, but set in Chicago where there's lots of side quests going on and it's very like free roam uh, and the ability to like drive the Blue Beetle around Chicago and uh, hop out and help Murph or whatever and go to yeah, like the Carpenter I mean, home. That's what I originally had in mind, but I was just trying to think like it would be Difficult to convey the investigation aspect of Dresden Files without making it boring as fuck. Uh, yeah. Um, I was thinking about L.A. Noir a lot. Um, but personally, and I know a lot of people don't feel this way, but I found some large sections of L.A. Noir very boring. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I only got halfway through it and then uh, got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so maybe it's just that that wouldn't be our sort of game but uh, personally I, I think you've got to find a way to combine it to make detective work fun and that would be hmm. <laughs> what about Dresden themed Tetris I mean I, I enjoy Tetris, Tetris is good yeah I guess I, I'm a fan of Tetris I haven't played it in like 20 years, but hey, I'm down for whatever. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of any scenario in the Dresden universe that could be Tetris-like, and, <laughs> and I've got nothing. Uh, but yeah. Um, <laughs> um, each, each of the Tetris blocks could be an individual case that Dresden is having to fit together into his work week to make a work week that's the most efficient. Um, that's the best I've got. Yeah, fair enough. I I can't come up with anything better than that. So, 
you know. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So moving on to the the meat in our episode sandwich, the the chunky chunky ham uh, that you all you all love, uh, the Dresden Files book club, uh, and oh my god, we have a prime cut today, a prime cut, uh, as it is the finale of Full Moon. Um, and wow, we're at the end of our second book. That's incredible. Um, so it feels, it feels weird. Uh, I feel like I feel like we got through this a lot quicker than Stormfront. I imagine it's because we started yeah, four chapters um, in the last couple of weeks, but it, it still feels like we haven't been on it as long. I think in like episode numbers, uh, this is definitely longer. But I, I, it's weird. Yeah, um, it doesn't feel as long. Yeah. It feels like this has been uh, very quick. There's been some. The, the pace of this book has been crazy. There have been points where it's been like dragging like mad, and other points where it's like so fast, blinking you miss it. <laughs> oh man. Well. Um, Okay, cool. Sorry? Oh, nothing. I forgot what I was going to say almost immediately. <laughs> no worries. Um, so, as always, I will do a little recap, then Rob will jump in with uh, a synopsis of the chaps that we're reading, then we'll have our uh, awesome discussion, the, the mustard on top of the ham in our Cuban sandwich. Uh and then, yeah, um, also crack open a can of Coke is the gherkin. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so the uh, <laughs> the last time, last time in the Dresden Files, dun, 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 dun. and that's as much of that as we can use. Um, so Harry and the werewolves... Uh, basically went in for, for the big final fight, got dropped off outside Marcones. Harry realised that they need to get over the outer wall and split away from the wolves, sending them around the long way while he got over the fence. Never split the party. Um, then they agreed to meet up uh, after they got over. However, uh, after waiting for, uh, I think he counts to 100, doesn't really matter, uh, Harry realises that the werewolves are nowhere to be found. Uh, moving into chapter 29, Harry sees uh, Billy, uh, the werewolf, being shot by Marcone with tranquilizer rounds. Uh, Marcone believes he's working with the FBI to get Harry and deal with all of the werewolves in Chicago. Uh, the FBI have rounded up the other wolves and tranquilized them. Marcone and the FBI bicker about what to do next, and Marcone insists that Dresden is out on the estate somewhere. Chapter 30, Denton searches for Harry, but Harry gets the drop on him for once. Uh, Harry tries to leverage Denton to get the Alphas, but Denton's people reveal that they have Murphy captured. Harry loses his advantage, and Denton takes Harry captive. <sighs> you, you had a chance, Harry. You had one chance, <laughs> and you, you blew it. Uh, chapter 31. Harry and Denton, in their scuffle, enter into a soul gaze. Harry sees that Denton was once a good man, but the, the sludge, the muck and mire 
of corruption has taken over his very soul. Harry almost gets away from Denton, but Marcone steps in. Harry tries to warn Marcone that he's in trouble, but he doesn't believe Harry. And there's this horrendous clutch moment where everything could be changed if Marcone could just put a, a modicum of faith in Harry. Uh, the FBI turn on Marcone and put Harry in a pit with Murphy the Alpha, uh, and the Alphas. Uh, and then they dangle Marcone over the pit to lure the loop guru with the idea that loop guru will jump, grab Marcone, then fall into the pit. There'll be a big scuffle between the Alphas, Terra West, Murphy, Dresden, magic slinging everywhere, lots and lots of hairballs. Uh, and then uh, the loop guru will emerge victorious, but weakened. And then the FBI can go in with some silver bullets uh, and have all of their problems taken out in one fell swoop. Uh, Harry tells Murphy and Terra West that he needs to escape to help them all out of this. They start to try to help him when they realise that the Lugaru, Louis Theroux, is already there and is at the top of the pit. Oof. And then I'll pass over to you, Rob. Yeah, so we go into chapter 32, all guns blazing, picking up where we left off. Uh, the Lugaru... To my surprise, didn't just decide to kill everyone instantly. Instead, it starts circling around the pit, kind of going between Marcone and those in the pit, deciding, you know, which which shall I have as my starter. Um, while while this is all going on, Marcone finally recognizes that Dresden's, you know, trying to help everyone involved in this. So he manages to cut free. And there's a little exchange here that I like, which is. Uh, Dresden asking Marcone, do you, do you have your knife? And he's like, oh, no, they took it away from me. But luckily I had a knife they didn't know about. But um, yeah, he cuts, <laughs> he cuts some of the rope and like drops it down to the pit. Dresden manages to free himself um, and proceeds to go after Denton. Tara intervenes and takes on the loop guru. Uh, causing a bit. I think of a... it's important to, to point out there that like Marcone had the choice to either free himself or Dresden. Yeah. Which uh, and chose to help Harry instead of himself. Yeah. That's something to bring up in the discussion as well at the end of the summary. Um. Mm. <laughs> Harry still has the uh, wolf pelt belt that he took from Harris. I think, in the previous episode. Um, he uses that to kind of track down the FBI wolves, which I completely forgot about this section. And it is, it's probably my favourite part of the book. But um, he starts, you know, he gets it the whole... Like, wild. Yeah, like, he gets the whole, like, night vision-y kind of thing. Like, his like, the sense of hearing, all the animal senses... So he can track them all down based on where they are on the grounds, and yeah, he go he go he, he fucks off looking for all the wolves, takes down Agent Ben, um, and I can't remember which what the name of the uh, wolf was, but um, Harris shoots one of the other FBI agents in wolf form because he can't he can't see in his human state very well, and you know there's two wolves going at it, I guess he's going to take a gamble. And it doesn't pay off well for him. He shoots his uh, ally, who 
if I if I remember right, reverts back into human form and shoots him. <laughs> so takes care of that problem, I guess. Um, yeah, the the alphas also escape the pit, I guess, feeling the need to do something useful. What that is, I don't really know. Um, and yeah, Harry faces off against Denton in the wolf in their wolf form, and they they have their usual scuffle. And again, I can't remember how that. I think Denton reverts back to human form of his own accord. Like I think he activates the belt, if I remember right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he reverts back into human form and begs for his life. And we, we, it's quite interesting because we see how the belt affects Harry, and it's more like the, the animal instincts of a wolf kind of take over that your human personality. So while he does understand Denton begging for his life, that kind of animalistic, predatory instinct is trying to take over with like, oh, you can beg for your life all you want, but. I want to bathe in your blood because I'm a predator. Um, and I think that does kind of take control a bit more of Harry than it should. Um, at which point Susan intervenes and seeing, you know, Susan witnessing Harry in that wolf state kind of brings him back to reality. He spares Denton and removes the belt. Um, at which point Harry's kind of I know there's a lot of shame, I think, from Harry of go, of having to rely on the belt to handle the situation. Um, Susan, he orders Susan to help the Alphas escape while Harry and Murphy go deal with the Loop Guru. And then we roll into chapter 33. Harry tries to free Marcone, but he is escaped, not escaped, attacked by, by the Loop Guru but manages to kind of fend him off with the help of his uh, bitchin' new trench coat. Handy finger trench coat. Um, and lucky... Yeah. <laughs> uh, lucky for Harry as well, his mother's amulet, which was, I guess, a bit of a big presence in the previous book, where it kind of hoarded off the temptations of dark magic and whatnot, um, is thankfully made of silver. So he uses that against the loot guru, which kind of handles that, I guess, and sorts it all out. Um, Murphy pops up, turns a gun on Harry, and, you know, tells him to get on the ground. And Harry... There's something I really like. Harry goes to cast Fuego, like the little fire destructive spell, but he's because he's still, like, low on magic juice, it just describes, like, and steam just arose from my hand, or smoke, which I, I really, I really liked that. But um, yeah. Uh, anyway, Harry casts uh, a spell against the Loop Guru, and Murphy shoots him. Harry passes out, you know, as you as you would from being shot, I guess, depending on where. Um, and we roll into chapter thirty-four, where he wakes up, and Murphy explains to him. Denton went to attack him from behind, so she shot through Harry to shoot Denton, which is very, very Bruce Willis and Die Hard, I feel. Um, 
and yeah, the the police the police arrive. They start doing what police do, investigating the scene, blah blah blah, sorting it all out. And yeah, then we kind of get a bit of a catch up with everyone, I guess, which is uh, Murphy and Harry attending the funerals of Kim Delaney and Carmichael. Uh, we get a little uh, peek from uh, Hendrix, who turns out isn't dead from being shot. He was wearing a Kevlar vest. Good for him. Um, Marcone manages to escape any blame, and it turns out Su- Susan has footage of the uh, Luke Guru attack, which advances her career within journalism and all that kind of shit, which also paints Murphy as the hero, which gets the internal affairs cases dropped against her, which is, you know, handy as fuck. And then we are revealed with a fifth type of werewolf, which is Tara West. And this is something, I think I remembered it midway through an episode a couple of weeks ago, and I had to, like, bite my tongue. But, yeah, we finally... (laughs) We finally get the reveal that Tara West is a wolf that is capable of transforming into a human, which, as soon as we get that revelation, makes a hell of a lot of sense behind her behaviour. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, the last scene focuses on Harry working out that his last two cases have been manipulated by outside forces. And I think this is something we brought up recently, which, and I think it's still kind of in the air on that there is a presence behind Victor Cells using black magic. There is a presence behind the FBI getting the wolf belts. And I feel that's kind of an ongoing case in which that I don't think it's really been addressed or we haven't had, I mean, it's been addressed in the sense of we've got like the taint and the nemesis and all that, which I guess you can say is the answer there, but as as it hasn't really been directly addressed, I'm going to say it's still un- unanswered at this point. Uh, and yeah, that wraps up uh, Full Moon. We are done, baby. We finished it. Yeah, wow. Uh, um, I guess uh, we have so much to talk about here. Uh, so... Uh, I guess uh, uh, the first thing I want to ask you, Rob, is I'm going to save our, our last, our, our first discussion point to last, I think. Okay. Because uh, I think that's kind of the final conversation to have on this. Um, but with that last scene and the overarching stuff, um, do you think that that is a... Do you think it's unsatisfying when you reach the end of this book and, and it's like, there's still more questions? Or do you think that that's a strength of it? Honestly, I don't think it's a weakness at all because it's each. I find that each book stands very well on its own. It's got its own shit going on. That the whole... Like it's, and I think like the consequences at the end of book three, I think, also acts as a distraction to that. Because everything uh-huh. that happens post book three is like the most important thing in the Dresden verse up until book twelve changes. So, I would say, yeah. I mean the whole the whole thing behind 
you know, is someone behind the dog, the wolf belts and Victor Cells, you know, learning black magic. I don't think it's that big of a deal that it wasn't really addressed right away because I didn't even think of it being like to my memory. I just assumed that we had the answers to these questions. It, it was just kind of like Victor Cells just got into it because they got the wolf belts because, and that was kind of that. So I, I thought it was, you know, case case closed on both of those. It it didn't occur to me until I think we started reading Stormfront and Peace Talks came out that I was like, oh shit. Hmm. I think, I mean, even Harry at the end of this book talks about how he's feeling, is he just being paranoid or is there more to this? Yeah. Um, and I think you, you, if you just wanted to read the first two books of the Dresden Files and then put it down, you're a monster. But if you did want to do that, um, you very much could and just put these things down to Harry's just feeling a bit jittery after everything. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that there's much more to say on it right now, but it's definitely something that I want to come back to as we go through the books because I think there are other points where people do things um, that even Harry's like, hmm, that's very strange. Yeah. Uh, and could very well be explained by like a, a black magic dealy. Yeah. I think at the moment, though, it was. Like you say, you can read it in a sense of just Harry being paranoid and maybe looking into it a bit too much. But I'd say that it definitely mm. leaves it. I know it, it leaves things open enough that you're going to that you're going to continue reading the series. I feel if if you're not a hundred percent convinced yet. It makes me think of Russell T. Davis Doctor Who a little bit. Oh yeah, I get what you mean. Every episode. Sorry. I get. I was just agreeing that I get. I get that viewpoint. Ah, yeah. Like, like uh, in the first series where you had like Bad Wolf, uh, or the second series, maybe the second series. Yeah, I think it was the second series where you had Torchwood. Yeah, second series. And uh, the, the the one that was like the master. Uh, but all, in all cases, uh, uh Harold Saxon. Uh, in all cases, you had um, like little like threads throughout the series, little things that recurred throughout yeah. um, that then all led to a finale that was like, oh, this is something that's been going on in the background throughout all of these adventures. Uh, and I think that's very much what's happening here is like, okay, there is other stuff going on in the background that isn't tied to the main crux of the adventure um, that you, you want to you wanna keep an eye out for. I guess. Yeah, I can get behind that. Also, I would enjoy a Russell T. Davis Dresden Files series, but that's probably never going to happen. He'll probably end up doing his own thing that's eerily similar. That, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. I had a tangent, but I'll, I'll save it until after, uh, maybe after the podcast. Um, just watch Casanova. It's a really good series and has pretty much everyone that was ever in Doctor Who in it. Um, definitely if you're over the age of 18, but it, it's good. And David Tennant is the star. 
David Tennant. Um, I think that was the show that led to him being cast as well in Doctor Who. Yeah, it's because it's David Tennant and Billy Piper, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there were a lot of Doctor Who actors in that show, and it was Russell T Davis, so it very similar. Anyway, um, so uh, the next thing I want to talk about was Harry in wolf form, and you kind of you brought this out a little bit, but wow, what an amazing uh, description of like perceptions and uh, and mindset changing. Yeah, that was. It's really well done. Like, and I'm glad that I really I completely forgot about that happening because it just made it more of a surprise and I think more enjoyable. Mhm. Were you getting any winter night vibes? Um. I'm gonna say no, but only because I can't remember winter night at the moment. Oh, right, you mean... Um, Fair enough. You like, mean... Like, when he's got the winter mantle and, and yeah. it, like, is it is affecting his mindset. I was getting similar vibes. I mean, that's a lot later in the in the series, but this sounds very similar to that. Yeah, I can, I can run with that. That's definitely... I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess it had to do that because we've already seen how it's affected the FBI agents and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. after the soul gate, especially after the soul gaze with um, Denton, there was bound to be some kind of Denton. corrupting influence. And I mean, that's something as well worth mentioning is with it bringing out that kind of wolfish predatory personality, it, it can easily kind of take the edge off the whole, you know, them being corrupted by some kind of dark magic external force. Hmm. Definitely. I something that made me wonder again here, and it's and it's even subtler than it was in Stormfront, but um Harry puts on this belt and has this like experience where he becomes a much darker version of himself. Uh, Susan's the one that that stops him but immediately after this happens and Harry has pulled himself out of it his thoughts go to his pentacle amulet about when he's about to fight the loop guru and I was just wondering I was wondering again did the pentacle amulet help him once again ward off uh, that darkening or like that, that negative influence from the belt. I mean, it wasn't explicit in the text, but it, it feels like there's something there. Yeah. I... Ooh. Yes. <laughs> it's probably the straight answer there. <laughs> I... I do... I, I I just keep wondering about the... the, the Pentacle Amulet... Dresden's mother and Nemesis, the dark forces, the black magic, all of that, and how how do those things all interact? Because I am certain there is something there. Yes. Oh, I'm curious now. Um, <laughs> me too. Um, 
but yeah, the the section where he's in wolf form um, is very visceral. Um, I think. Um, it, it. I mean, it didn't take me. I remembered that it happened. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I don't know why I was convinced that Dresden turned into a Luke Guru and not a Hexen Wolf. Um, but that would have made no sense. Um, because I because I, I didn't understand how as a Hexen Wolf he could fight off several other Hexen Wolves. But in the text, it makes it feel like that's natural. So, yeah. who knows? Anyway, um, the uh, what was I saying? Huh. <laughs> um, no. Uh, so that that bit very visceral. Oh yes, the bit that's what surprised me about it was how visceral it was. Um, it gets pretty dark. Uh, mm. Some of the description and. Yeah. I mean, Jim Butch has never shied away from violence or sexual content, but this is this is right up there with some of his his uh, strongest stuff. And I think the moment that really got me was when he sees Susan, and at first, uh, he he completely misreads the emotion on her face mm-hmm. as like desire, um, and then it's only when he's like when his brain kicks in that he realizes that's not desire. She is petrified of me right now and what I'm about to do. Um, and there's, there's just like a, it's like missing a step on the stairs. There's just something really strong about that, I guess. Yeah. I like, um, um, it, it shows that corrupting influence a bit more as well with, I can't remember whereabouts it is in that in the chapter, but he's having that kind of inner monologue where he's like, you know, he, he likes having that power. He could he could form his own pack, um, make more of the belts and whatnot. Yeah. Um. Whew. Anyway. Uh... So moving on to our next point. Uh, So we've talked about that. Oh, yeah. So one thing I I did notice here, and and it's because we've we've watched (laughs) Red Stormfront back to back uh, so quickly. In these early books, and and I think this is a trend that continues, Jim Butcher likes to do the last chapter as a kind of where are they now segment. Yeah, I quite Um, like that though. Yeah, uh, I see it as like, uh, and I think I might have even made this comparison in our last Stormfront one, like the end of like a, a college university like uh, movie where like everyone's like in a freeze frame and then it like focuses on each character and is like, uh, Charlie Kegs McGee went on to become a famous uh, writer for the the New Yorker. Uh, and then it's like shows you like uh, Jimmy Legs McCoy uh, went on to uh, crash his car and die in a ditch, and um, yeah, it it has a bit of that feel to it in a way. Yeah. Um, I guess my question with that is. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, like you were saying, you like it. Um, I think 
I think it's necessary. Um, and and it's actually, yeah, there is something really fun about, like, okay, now that we're, like, a couple of weeks later, what has everyone done with themselves? Here's, here's the, the best feeling of closure that the text can give you. Uh, this is where everyone's at. And it's kind of everyone's, I wouldn't say happy endings, but it's their endings at least. Yeah. Um, especially, like, I just love like, oh yeah, Marcone avoided all all criminal blame. And Hendrix is fine. Don't worry about the big teddy bear. He's all right. He just spent the rest of that um, gnarly just uh, okay, cool. in the ditch. It was Kevlar vest. Um, what? Sorry? I was just going to say he was just lying there in the finale with his Kevlar. Like, it's weird because you think the Wolves would have known that he was alive. I mean, I guess he wasn't their priority, but still, if he's unconscious, you would have still thrown him in the pit, surely. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting to think about. Um, so I guess so. The last point we have in, until our, our very last point is uh, Marcone in the fin- finale, uh, how he acts, and um, there's kind of two parts, uh, two characters in the finale that get like a that progress their their relationship with Dresden, and one is is Murphy, and and they have that moment where it seems like Murphy's trying to arrest Dresden once again, and and she actually ends up protecting him. Um, but the other is Marcone, and Marcone decides to trust Dresden in a situation that very much could be the end of his life. Um, and I guess, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think this is kind of the point, I'd say, where they go from how they've been in previous but like in Stormfront and now to being more <sighs> frenemies that respect each other, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I feel that uh, like from this point onwards, yeah, he he still sees Marcone as being scum of the earth, but he knows he's not the worst. He's like the lesser of two evils, I guess is a good way of putting it. Yeah, I think they both realise that the other one has a code. Yeah, in a way, like I think Marcone definitely seemed to think that Dresden just wanted to fuck him over no matter what. And Dresden felt like Marcone was just a brutal murderer who just wanted to to get to the top with uh, with no matter who is in the in the way of that. Uh, and they both kind of proved wrong here. Greed. Um, and and I think that understanding is uh, there's something very heartwarming, I guess, about that moment. Where like they they suddenly realise that they're uh, they can be m- more allies than maybe either of them would like. Yeah. So that takes us on to our big question. As we've said from the start, Full Moon has a infamous position in the Dresden Files series as one of the weakest books, if not the very weakest. Does it deserve its reputation? Absolutely not. 
Okay. <laughs> Show your workings for five marks. Um. Okay. I mean, I can't really explain why I don't think it's the weakest, but I mean, a lot of I I, I did a bit more of a research on this before we came on. Just wanted to see because I discovered the Dresden Files subreddit. I don't know why I didn't check that out beforehand, but um, I typed in Full Moon just to see if you know if there was any subject on anyone being like, oh, Full Moon's the worst, and I came across a thread that was like, why do people think Full Moon is the worst? And what surprised me was the amount of comments saying that it, it was split very half and half. You'd had a, the bulk of the comments saying that it's not the worst book. Like, it's it's not the worst book. It's not the weakest. It's it's definitely falls into Stormfront as being not as well written as the others, but it's still good. And then you'd have another group of people saying that they skipped it and went straight to grave peril which i think is an abomination why like why would you skip it <laughs> you know um but no I, like i was just looking on goodreads and one of their top reviews is just go straight to grave peril and i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> like i mean that's, don't get me wrong silly. grave grave peril is probably one of my favorite books and it's where I really, like I've said it before, it's where I really, you know, solidified myself as a Dresden fan, I guess. Um, mm. But I feel you need Stormfront and you need Full Moon. I mean, sure, they're not as well written as the later books, but you, you need that introduction to the characters in the world. You need, like, I don't know, it would be like someone telling you to watch Breaking Bad and skipping series one and two. Like you get the gist of what's going on, but you don't get that kind of character development and interactions between everyone. It's you're like, oh yeah, Murphy's just you know the good cop he hangs out with, whereas you don't have that beforehand shit in this book and the previous book where she arrests him like four hundred times. <laughs> Literally every five minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I. I would definitely agree with that. Um, I, to be perfectly honest, I think that it might Full Moon still might be one of the weakest books in the Dresden Files series for me. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's a weak book. It, like Jim Butcher's entire Dresden uh, body of work is incredibly strong, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I think Full Moon uh, is kind of done dirty by the fact that it's an early book that um, doesn't have as much of the the characters and the the world built into it that some of the later books do. Yeah. Um, but I think there's, there's there's some classic Dresden moments here. Some absolute, uh, some of some some of the best that would go into any sort of montage or whatever. Dresden versus the Lugaru in the police station will always be a great moment. Um, like sending him through walls and and catching up with the police officers and stuff. Brilliant stuff. 
um, the the different forms of wolves and um, how how many different interactions between magic and wolves and humans there have been and how and Bob's explanation that is classic Dresden research in his lab getting down to the books uh, that I think everyone loves to see that that sort of like bond and cue moment where he works out what's ahead of him and, and where where he's going to go next the alphas um if you if you don't get this then you don't get the start of the alphas and oh my goodness in some of the later books they are beacons of light in a very dark dark world <laughs> um there is there is so much good here it is definitely worth a read that being said, yes, I think the finale is not as strong as uh, many other Dresden finales. Um, I think, I think my, Jim gets better and better. My personal, yeah, my personal opinion on this is, and again, this is mostly because I forgot about Dresden turning into a hexen wall, but I feel that that saved it for me. Like, like we were saying, the pacing for the book has okay. been a bit a bit off compared to some of the other books. And in in the previous episode, we felt the character, like some of the character decisions and stuff like Marcone opting to not trust Dresden and stuff like that felt a bit out of character. And I think, I think last, the last episode, the chapters we discussed there with, with that happening were probably the weakest part of the book for me. Yeah, and I think that's that's the my that's probably my only issue with it as well. I think other than that, the book itself is fine. I think um, I the wolf form idea at the end is really uh, it does kind of save that finale, um, but uh, Jim has this whole thing where he likes to call it a mouse trap. His yeah. finale, he creates a, a trap that Dresden has to escape from. And every time he tries to make it harder and harder for Dresden to escape. And then he works out how Harry would escape from this mousetrap. Um, and I just feel like this mousetrap is a bit weaker than others. Yeah. Um, mostly... Mostly because I think I think like like we've said in the past, it it has had. I feel like it's had less time put into it, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and part of that is is because there is setting up the mouse trap takes a bit of a, a leap in some places, and that's kind of what we're talking about. But Harry's escape of the mouse trap is still incredible, and uh, if that's that's kind of the big. Um, the big high that you get off a Dresden Files book is how Harry escapes. Um, which in, in this one, he escapes in a, in a very, very cool way. Um, yeah. So I, I think that, Oh, and I think the FBI agents being werewolves. Oh my goodness. That is such a cool idea. Um, <laughs> the resources that the FBI have to bring to bear and then, Oh yes. Anyway, uh, so yes, I think I think we both agree that Full Moon does not deserve its reputation as a bad book. Um, 
where it stands in the Dresden series, reading like order or, or uh, hierarchy and such is probably more up for debate. But I think it, it's with any with any strong world uh, world best selling author like Jim author no author uh, <laughs> like Jim uh, you will get books that are stronger and books that are weaker, but a, a great overall quality. And I think that great overall quality is, is just as much as in this book as it is in changes, grave peril or whichever one you consider to be the strongest book in the series. Agreed. Full heartedly. Brilliant. And I think that pretty much sums up everything that we wanted to talk about here. Um, so, Rob, do you want to take us through our plans for, for next week and beyond? Uh, yeah, why not? Uh, so next week we'll be discussing uh, the short story Beers for Bigfoot, which is in the um, Dresden Files anthology Briefcases, I think, or is it Side Jobs? It's Briefcases, isn't it? It's Briefcases, because it yeah. came later. That's what I thought. And we'll also be taking a look at uh, the Dresden Files TV show again with the episode titled Hair of the Dog, which is a very loose adaptation of Full Moon. Um, so yeah, we'll be covering that next week and then the week after we'll be diving into Grave Peril, but we'll, we'll discuss that next time. Awesome. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, take us out then. Yeah, um, as always, review us on iTunes, download us on Spotify, share us with your friends, family, preferably if they're Dresden fans, then it's a benefit to us. Um, and thank you for all of the support already. We, we're, damn, we're close to getting like almost 1,400 downloads, I think. Maybe more than that already. Um, yeah, I I would not be surprised if by the time that this episode goes out, uh, we've hit... Uh, one and a half thousand downloads which frankly is incredible agreed um and yeah as as always we have been your hosts on the paranet podcast uh rob davis and patrick learn and we will see you next time crack open a can of coke be there or be square bye bye